This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our limited edition mugs. To celebrate one year of next to nothing, you can purchase a mug at the link below. Order yours now because these will only be available until the end of July. After July 31st, they will be taken off the store, never to be released again. Mugs are $14 plus shipping and handling. Not much. We were just talking about an email we need to get fan, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be be wonderful. We All good right. to start? Yeah, we're good. We're I good am, to go. I'm perfect. All right. Hello and welcome to Next to Nothing, the show where we talk about how to waste your time and not your money in gaming. I am your host, Danny K. With me, as always, Ren, who uh, discovered something amazing while we were getting the show ready that totally goes with Bran, and I he, he needs to he needs to make oh. a rendition beanie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So apparently Streamlabs, also I'm Ren, by the way, hi. Everybody. Um <laughs> probably should mention that little part first. Um apparently Streamlabs did like an entire new merch line just really recently because I've checked on it a few times and they haven't had anything for like months. But they had a whole bunch of stuff from like beanies mm-hmm. to more hats to stickers, which we were talking about, and like a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm probably gonna make some beanies. I'm just saying that might happen, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that one out there. But uh yeah. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, and with us this week, we have the wonderful, fantastic. So, why? see what you did there. Why I'm fan. <laughs> yeah. Hi, fan. I can't pronounce his name, but I try every time. Hey, I appreciate the effort. Yeah, you <laughs> might recognize me from last week. Uh, I am slow boiling in my room right now because it's really hot in Germany. I know that and feeling it's entirely. Supposed to be even hotter. It's it's supposed to be even hotter tomorrow, but also like storms. So okay. I'm oh, kind of glad that we're doing <laughs> this today. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we're looking at uh, storms for like the next week here. Uh, it hasn't been like super hot. Like we haven't gotten like. <laughs> boiling skin hot yet but Mm -hmm. it's coming it's it's bound to happen yeah yeah it's been slowly climbing up there Uh, now uh, today it reached 30 degrees celsius Uh, Mm -hmm. i don't know what that is in fahrenheit i'm sorry that's that's (laughs) up there (laughs) it's 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 pretty up there (laughs) it is an amount and tomorrow (laughs) it's said to be 32 degrees oh god celsius so that sounds like hell I'm not going to mow the lawn tomorrow. That's for sure. Oh man! Yeah. So, yeah. But last... we also had pretty good weather for a, a rock concert. That's right. I was just going to tell you to that launch into the transition. I was... Yeah. <laughs> I, I was trying. So from last week to this week, you uh, went to a show. I love hearing about music. We've obviously had. Um, We've had AOB on the show. I've reached out to other musicians to like come on the show. Um, laying on this dude, tell us about fucking yeah. metal in Germany. So it was not a metal festival strictly. It was a rock festival. It was called mm. uh, Rock Nights. Yeah, it was called Hard Rock Nights. And it was held for the third time. And for the first time, it was stretched over two days. Ooh. Which is a big deal because it's literally right next to my small village in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's literally local only. Mm-hmm. And the bands that were playing there were also, like, local only. There was one band from Mönchengladbach, which is a bit of a bigger town, a bit mm-hmm. far off. But this band literally just started. Their YouTube channel has 20 subscribers, and they have two songs on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're literally fresh out of the gate. They had, like, half an hour of a set list. 
they were pretty yeah. good, but no one knew them, and they were playing mm-hmm. for like thirty people at that point. Yeah, they were playing literally when the festival opened up, so there was pretty much no one there yet. Mm-hmm. But they had a good energy, and I like that in new bands. Yeah, that's it. so. If we can talk about saving money real quick. Mm-hmm. Going to local shows first off, it, you're gonna have a great time. If you yeah. if you have like a, a specific style of music you like i can guarantee you go to a local bar or a you know look for the underground scene you're going to find some of the best also some of the worst of that style of music <laughs> <laughs> and it's always going to be under ten dollars to go mm-hmm. <laughs> in my particular case the festival was free because it was mm. a charity thing yeah so every every purchase that you made you could buy uh like drinks there they had like booths and everything and then there was also merch and everything that was sold there uh like a portion of that was gonna go towards paying off the whole event and then the other half would go towards mm-hmm. some good cause i forgot which one yeah <laughs> um so that was cool i went there specifically with the intent of buying like one album by every band that i liked mm-hmm. and there was only one band there that even had albums to begin with so i just oh, bought their entire album. <laughs> there it is like yeah. literally everything they have released in 13 years that's how oh, you know it's a man. small band because like how much did in flames release in 13 years yeah a bunch this mm-hmm. is literally everything they had it's one album and three eps in 13 oh, years <laughs> yeah and it's a band out of my local town Griffenbruch, which is mm-hmm. a very small thing mm-hmm. so uh, I I felt really good at supporting like a really good local artist that made great music and had a good show. And surprisingly, they had a pretty high effort show as well. It was a very mm-hmm. small stage, obviously. By the time that they played, their name is Antidepressiva, by the way, which is the German word for antidepressants. Mm-hmm. It's a punk band. And despite how small the stage is, they had somehow they fit like a thing that just lifted up. So at one song that was dedicated to their friends, they had two of their friends just stand there with bangalows, so little pyros, and just mm. got lifted up as the pyros in their hands were like lit up. And it was really great for mm. such a small effect or a small stage as well. They even mm. had pyrotechnics it was oh, wow. like on top of the stage. It was really intense. Wow. And then there was a band that was like a cover band. So the, all they played was covers of a specific band. It was this one of the biggest and most controversial punk bands in Germany called uh, Die Bösen Onkels. So there was, there was a band called La Ultima who mm-hmm. were really great. And then on the second day, we had like a Kiss cover band as well. That was pretty much the only band that didn't play punk rock because Kiss obviously is a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. It was free for me to go. The only money I spent, I spent on music that I now own. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that like German music is not something that you can easily get into in America. But like, especially with an antidepressiva, these guys are on Spotify. I would recommend just checking them out if you're into punk music in general. Uh, they do good stuff. And yeah, that's yeah. basically what I wanted. Why I wanted to bring this up in the first place: support your local music scene. You're you're gonna be surprised how much quality you find just thirty minute walk away from your home. Yeah, it's crazy. One of my one of my top five favorite bands um, that like I've ever listened to. I'm actually wearing their shirt. Kind of just synergy here uh, mm-hmm. was a band called Avoid. Uh, for, 
you know, listeners will know or will remember back when we had Austin, aka AOB, mm-hmm. um, from Ghost Key. So Ghost Key's bassist was the front man for Avoid. Um, one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, I'll I'll put like links to, uh, to the Spotify's <laughs> in the descriptions because I mean they're just some fantastic fucking bands. Fantastic. Um, yeah fantastic go support your local music scene it's always gonna be cheaper than going to an uh to a bigger national act and um you're also gonna meet uh, meet a lot of uh really awesome people Mm -hmm. as well i'm actually kind of curious so i'm not like a big music buff per se but um i fan you said that they had like 20 subs right on youtube i'm pretty sure that you said that yeah the first band that played uh, oh okay that just started all right, got um, it. I was like, how did they already get on Spotify? That's incredible. Maybe the I name is Pro- the name is Procyon, by the way. Okay, I'm going to All write right. that in chat. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay, because I was like, wow, I can't believe that. Maybe I just don't understand the rules of Spotify, but damn. <laughs> yeah, no, the the oh, band that's man. on Spotify is called Ant- Antidepressiva okay. again. All right, I guess we're gonna jump in word for antidepressants, and you'll find them there. Pretty yeah, good. yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Never mind. I'll shut up. <laughs> oh, man. Um, cool. So we have some things to talk about here. I kind of want to get into just some like little things. I've played a couple of things. Um, fan, you've played some things. Ren, you've played some things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know who wants to start. I just talked the entire time, so let someone else start. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can go um, ahead and start. I, I played a game called Scanner Sombra, which is mm-hmm. it's a very strange game, at least when I went into it. Um, I've, I've had it in my Steam library since I could possibly remember. Um, but it's a game where you start out initially, you start out in like a tent and there's just like mm-hmm. a bunch of like camping supplies and stuff like that. And you look outside the tent and obviously it's dark because you're thinking, oh, OK, tent, nighttime, whatever. But it turns out that's actually like the main mechanic is everything is just darkness. And then there's very, like, very, very tiny things where there's like light, usually like pointing towards like an item or something along those lines. And the first item that you get is a scanner. And the scanner, what it does is it shoots out like little light rays and uh, it'll actually mark the um, the setting that you're in, essentially. So while you can't see anything like it's pitch black, you see absolutely nothing. You're running around with your scanner, just checking out everything. I'm playing this in VR, by the way, but it also does have like its own desktop mode. You can play it in either. Um, but when I was playing in VR, I just got to it and then I grabbed it and I just started shooting all over the place. And there were trees everywhere. And the thing that's like really key to note, too, is that it's not just one color that it picks or it's not like it picks a normal color for a tree, for example. Like it's not like brown bark and then like green leaves, whatever. But it just kind of circulates on like a color wheel in a sense. So like it'll start painting in like green to like an orange to a red for certain things. And I just found it super interesting. I went through it for probably I want to say about an hour and a half. Um, just kind of exploring, getting into it, seeing how it is. And the odd thing I found about it, which I wasn't really expecting. I had the feeling initially, but I thought maybe maybe it's just me. But it's slightly like an uncomfortable feeling just being like in a pitch black area and like a lot of times you're going through caves and such trying to just navigate your way through the game and uh and Did at one point claustrophobic feelings kind not particularly it did in the sense of like 
you can't see anything. Like, you go into a cave, you make a turn, and it's nothing. Like, there's absolutely nothing. And you can even see through the caves. So, like, say you highlighted one area of a cave, and then you went through, but you didn't highlight anything. If you Mm -hmm. looked back, you could actually see the tunnel behind you. Like, the outside of the tunnel itself. But, Mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't, obviously, you wouldn't be able to see, like, what you're in. Um, It was kind of claustrophobic at times but that's not the real feeling i got it was just really uncomfortable being like there's not there's not a lot of sound it's very like quiet and um you're just kind of going through this static map per se it is static like nothing really moves at least from what i understood but like you get to a certain area and it's probably like i want to say about an hour into the game and you get into an area And then you encounter, like, a shape you haven't seen before, and the shape is a person. And you're just like, what? Everything else I've seen has just been nature Mm. and maybe, like, maybe some tiny buildings. So, like, Japanese, like, lantern towers, if you know what I'm talking about. That kind of style was there. Um, But there was nothing in terms of, like, animals or people or anything along those lines. So it was the one and only time I've seen a person at that point. And I was like, that's, yeah, that was a really, like, weird experience. So I continue going on through it. And the thing to note is, like, when you actually get to the person, the person's making a weird sound. Like, it's just, like, mm-hmm. a weird tone. And everything else is usually fairly quiet. There's occasionally sounds, but it's nothing really bad. But you always have that mild feeling of, like, you have absolutely no idea what's anywhere. Because if you go into an area, like, I'm just going through a really, like, narrow cave. And it just branches out into an entire, like, cave system with, like, bridges and everything. But you don't know it. You have no idea. So you're just highlighting things at random. And then, like, you notice, oh, shit, I'm at the edge of this cliff just out of nowhere. I wasn't even expecting it. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of, like, really random parts where it just catches you off guard entirely. Um, mm-hmm. I found That's it to be intense. super interesting. Yeah, I found it to be super interesting and super beautiful. And, uh... The nice thing, like, there's no reason to, like, try to go faster through the game. Like, it doesn't, at least from what I've gotten from it, there's nothing chasing you. There's nothing like that. There was a part where it was almost like a jump scare in a sense. At a certain point, you're, like, navigating a series of bridges, and the bridges are all broken. I guess it's supposed to just, like, symbolize, like, a broken society, whatever. And, um... Artsy, artsy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a very artsy game, so I was just like, whatever... I'm into it. I'm I'm down with it. And at a certain point, like, you could fall off the bridges and die. That was a thing I didn't know was a thing at all. I just was like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm just gonna keep going. And, like, I just fell off, zoomed straight down to the bottom, and died. And I was like, okay, that was a great experience in VR, not really. <laughs> um, but, like, while you're navigating the bridges, you finally get to the last bridge, and it sounds like there's something, like, right behind you that's, like, actively chasing you. And that got me because, like, for the most part, it's really quiet. And the only thing before that that was relatively eerie was just that one person. And so I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And I immediately turned around. There's nothing there. But, like, even if there was something there, I wouldn't see it because it wasn't highlighted as a thing. So, like, just because you highlight an area doesn't mean that specific mesh is highlighted. Does that kind of make sense? <laughs> um, but, yeah. I don't know. I found it to be, like, really fascinating. I found it to be really interesting. I don't know if I would necessarily call it a great game, 
just because like it's a lot it, it's realistically just navigating it's exploration mm. if you're into that sort of thing sure um when i was playing in vr i was having a great time with it but there was a couple times where like okay i didn't realize i was gonna like run face first into a wall this is an uncomfortable feeling in vr i'm not liking this um but for the most part i found it to be like really interesting i don't know no it was definitely a unique experience um but yeah if you guys have any questions feel free to ask for sure uh just real quick can you type it out in the chat real quick yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and in the meantime i found out that fear of darkness has its own name which is nyctophobia the more you know <laughs> oh, man. so there was no i mean other than other than like being able to fall to your death there wasn't mm-hmm. any like there wasn't that many fail states it it no it mostly just seemed like an exploration heavy game i mean there was okay. situations where yeah you, you could fall and maybe you didn't understand like how to get there so like in the mm-hmm. bridge like sequence like yeah you can fall off an edge you can fall off a legend die but in the bridge sequences um parts of the bridges are broken and you have to kind of mm. try to like navigate your way through that itself which can be a little bit of a trouble but it's not like, too bad um it it did not seem like it was a game meant to really be a game like yeah. it didn't seem like it was puzzle oriented or anything like that it just it's felt kind of yeah exactly it was one of those more experience heavy games yeah super pretty though it was actually really really interesting to go into yeah it looks gorgeous yeah it like i could see just like going through the um some google images here mm-hmm. i could certainly see this being one that might give people headaches yeah yeah but if you're playing in vr yeah <laughs> it but it's absolutely just gorgeous as a, yeah it, it's a very artsy game and honestly like it does pull it off yeah. there's nothing i really had an issue with when it came to like graphic design because i mean realistically the way that the game looks is based on how you play it, it it's not like oh the game obviously just looks like this because you're the one yeah. that's painting it. You're the one that's actually like painting and creating the world for you to navigate in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I found that to be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really gotten all the way through it. I got basically like probably 20 minutes past the jump scare point and I was like, I'm done for right now. That was that was something, but I'm done. I'm good for the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, kind of reminds me of a colorful version of uh, Return of Oberdin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't played Oberdin, but uh, I have seen some images of it, and it yes, it's very colorful. Yeah, I've heard that game was phenomenal. I do need to get into it. It's one of the few games where I would actually agree with the phrase of "do not spoil it for yourself," because normally I personally don't feel strongly about spoilers at all. Mm-hmm. I can kind of anticipate something when I know it's coming and still have enjoyment in that. Yeah. But in Oberdin, like the whole point of the game is figuring out what happens. So if you're playing right. yourself, there's no point in playing the game anymore. Yeah. So I would say go in there and play it. It's it's a it's a phenomenal experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, overall it was a fun experience. It, it wasn't like it wasn't a game that I really felt the need to finish. Like I I could mm-hmm. go back to it and just play it for a bit. I wouldn't feel the need to be like, I really need to progress through this and see what happens. Because mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far, it's just environments, which is not do a bad you know thing. What the, do you know what the objective of that of that game is? Like what the ultimate point is? It was just navigation. There wasn't any real objective. Like, 
essentially you left the tent and then you found the scanner. And then at that point, you're just navigating. And there is some uh, story to it. I didn't really care about it because I was much more interested in the environments themselves than like just reading some text. Um, but uh, but yeah, there is it's linear. It's obviously like fairly linear. There's not a lot of open worldness to it. Otherwise, you probably would just get totally lost. And then that's it. That's that's how I'd imagine it going. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was fun. It, it was a nice little like walk down the very dark uncomfortable road experience <laughs> but yeah yeah that that was what i played i also played i probably won't really talk about it too much but i also did play skyrim vr for a little bit just testing it see how that ran yeah it kind of it okay so it's good there's nothing really necessarily bad with it um mm. melee combat feels a little finicky Rage combat feels phenomenal. Like, using a bow and arrow actually feels so incredible. Um, yeah. Magic felt a little strange, just because the way that, like, uh, VR works, like, you can point your hands in whatever direction you want. So I was just dicking around, just spraying fire all over the place. <laughs> um, that was the thing. The the range by far was probably the best, like, gameplay. Range is just sure. made for VR, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there was, uh, like, I was shocked by the amount of options that the game had. Um, so when I was reading up on it, because I'm not going to buy a VR game unless I really read up on it, especially if it's like a port, for example, mm -hmm. like um, Doom VR or maybe like Skyrim or Fallout. I tend to read up on those just to, like, see if it's just like a blatant port for money or if it actually has like some like some actual work done into it. And while it is basically the same exact game. They added a ton of VR options, like a lot of VR options, a lot more than I expected. So there's and in most VR titles, there's the ability to like move through teleportation. That tends to yeah, be like the yeah. easiest way of dealing with motion sickness. Um, you have the option to have that or just like regular movement um, when you're sprinting or turning or things like that. They also try to narrow the view to like help with that motion sickness as well. You have the option to turn that off. Which is not a like a thing in a lot of VR titles. I'm finding out like that tends to not be an option. Like I'd personally rather go through the like motion sickness like initially to get over it and then like play it the way I want to, which mm -hmm. is a thing that you can do with VR. It just takes a bit. Um, and there's mod support because it actually runs through the special edition. Essentially, it's a, the special edition just modded for VR. So you can run like mm -hmm. graphics mods, things like that. You can run combat mods, all that stuff. Um, so I Savage Dragon. Yeah, yeah. So I threw in a couple like uh, graphics mods and probably so combat felt relatively good, excluding like melee combat. It felt a little weird. Um, yeah, but the graphics, at least from what I modded, they weren't exactly comfortable. At least, like, when you play for probably, like, 30-ish minutes, at least for me, personally, mm -hmm. I found in really light areas, like, really well-lit areas, because I was using a lighting effects mod, that it was kind of, like, hurting my eyes a little bit, just to a weird degree. I couldn't really pinpoint it. It was just mildly irritating. And at a certain point, I was just like, I can't play. I'm done for right now. I need to take a break from it, which is the first for me. Because everything else, I've been mm -hmm. able to play for, like, a few hours minimum. It's not that big of a deal to me. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just like based on solely the like high graphics that I turned it on because uh, with VR, there is a hint of pixelization. That's just the way it is because the screens aren't that great. Um, 
So maybe that along with like high fidelity, like graphics on it might have possibly like caused some yikes on that front. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just a very weird experience on that front. Um, If I were to guess, I would say it's probably a mix of fidelity and FOV. Yeah. Those two mix can like if you don't do it properly, Mm -hmm. it could go really weird for your eyes, especially. Yeah, they do have FOV. That is a thing in it. So that was a plus. I didn't really mess with it. But you're probably right. That probably did have something to do with it. Um, I don't know. I found it to be fun. There's also yeah. another minor gripe. So with the Vive, at least specifically, I find it really weird to use the grip controls. So mm-hmm. on a Vive controller, it's just like mainly the controller, which you move around, obviously, a little like a pad where you can direct your camera and stuff like that. And on like the controller itself, where you're actually holding it, So, like, probably around your ring finger and your palm, there's two buttons there, which I find really weird to always use because they just Mm -hmm. they seem so out of place and I don't normally use them. Um, But that controls sneaking and jumping, which I kind of get. I understand why they're on that, but just Mm -hmm. in terms of like raw gameplay standpoint, it's really it's mildly frustrating just to like deal with those controls themselves i don't know how they would have dealt with it you have the option to use uh like based on where you're standing like if you're standing or kneeling you can have that Mm -hmm. control your sneak which i did find pretty neat i was doing that for a little bit it ended up with me being on the ground a lot (laughs) like just (laughs) kneeling just crawling through everything but uh but yeah i don't know i found that to be like a really weird mechanic itself at least like in terms of a uh, button layout that might just be an issue with me and the vibe controls though to be honest because mm-hmm. from what i've experienced in all the other vr games they're not used a lot and i'm pretty sure that's the reason why just because they're not that comfortable um but yeah definitely definitely the uh the archery was solid that was actually phenomenal what i was doing because it sends you through like a little tutorial area i it starts you off with a bow and arrow. And my immediate thought was like, oh, I'm going to fuck with this thing. And I just start shooting arrows everywhere. And, like, it's it's very, like, reactive. So, like, the I guess the big deal in terms of balancing VR is that there's no real way of balancing it. Like, if I'm playing a sword character, I could just go like this a lot. Just start swinging like a madman. But, uh... But with VR archery, it actually feels like it feels somewhat balanced. Like you can only you can only pull back arrows so fast, right? You can't just constantly do it like a mad lad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I felt definitely like the most balanced mechanic as well as the most enjoyable. Uh, magic was cool. It was cool. I didn't really care about it personally, but I'm sure if people are like, I want to be a magic man, <laughs> like by all means. Um, in, in like games like gothic and such i always mm-hmm. play like the mage class because i just find the idea of throwing fire around appealing yeah <laughs> yeah it was definitely it was a very interesting experience when i first did it because i didn't realize like it didn't click in my head from playing skyrim for so long that i can actually point the fire in different directions in this like that didn't even <laughs> click so i was just like oh i like this guy on fire and i just do this and I completely miss him by shooting on both sides of him instead of aiming at him. And I'm just like, uh... okay, uh-huh. Yeah, so, like, they both have separate, like, fire controls. So if I wanted to, like, attack one person in the air and also attack mm. somebody on the ground, I can do that. But, like, it was not clicking at first at all in the slightest. I was still like, this is Skyrim. 
it's going to target this guy. That's how it works. I'm looking at him. He's dead. And it was like, nope. Uh-uh. I, I tried to light my face on fire. That didn't work. That, I was kind of sad at that one. Badass, though, it was say. really cool. It really was. Like, if you were super interested in magic, definitely would probably be your favorite mechanic by far. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to light my face on fire. Because, like, in VR, you have to try to do the stupid shit. Like, there's no... Yeah. Y- you gotta... It didn't work. I was really distraught. I really wanted to just burn myself alive. Um, for your own flame. Yeah, I, my immediate like reaction when I was like messing with the fire and I killed the guy I was like, can I do this? And I just start trying to light my face on fire and nothing's happening. I'm like, okay, this is fine, dude, whatever. Um, it was cool. It was definitely cool. I'm, I'm glad that I bought it. I think it was like $38, which... Okay. For most VR, VR titles, yeah. yes, VR VR is expensive. Um, but the fact that it actually, like, it's Skyrim. It's the full Skyrim game. It's not, like, mm-hmm. just some weaselly, like, get out of, like, it. it's not free money schemes here, at least. That's what it's I Elder Scrolls plays. Exactly, yeah. That Which is weird, because, like, when you're playing with Melee, it actually felt, like, it looked like I was playing Elder Scrolls Blades. When I was doing it, I was like, this is uncomfortable. I don't know about this feeling. <laughs> I, I've seen this game before, and I have shit on it hard. I do not want this to be the same experience. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was super cool. It was definitely really fun having interactive archery, which also mm. it had like its natural archery, which is set on by default, which is like while you do hold the bow and you can aim, you can't really like redirect the bow itself. So, like, you can't just, like, point it directly upwards, kind of, like, in a weird motion. I decided to turn that off to try to have more realistic archery. I couldn't land a single shot. I was crying. Mm. It was so rough. <laughs> it was really brutal on that front. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I, I've talked about VR enough. It was super cool. That, that's basically what, it. What's better, Skyrim VR archery or archery in Wii Sports Resort? I haven't played that one, but Skyrim VR's archery is really solid. Like, I was shocked by how good it was. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like it wasn't going to be super great. And then the tutorial was like, have a bow. And then I tried it and I was like, this is really a- like this feels correct in every sense of the word. There's no part of this where I'm uncomfortable. But uh, but well yeah, done. archery always makes me happy. I I was seriously happy about it. That was my first experience with archery in a game. And then I realized immediately, like, wait a minute. This the VR archery is fantastic. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's my experience with Skyrim and uh, Scanner Sombra. But yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, I played Split Gate Arena. This was mm-hmm. a free-to-play shooter that came out. Portal uh, FPS. Yeah, basically, it's a it's as if um, Portal and Halo multiplayer had a mm-hmm. um, had a baby, and it's Splitgate. Um, so it's a team based, mostly you know, it's got your basic modes: team deathmatch, kill confirmed. Uh, except in kill confirmed, instead of picking up, um, running over and picking something up, you got to run mm-hmm. over and teabag somebody. Uh, <laughs> It's got your, it, it's got a free for all, and I think maybe one or two other modes that I just haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you and your team, you know, red versus blue, load into a map. And the map in several places has, uh, you know, portal locations that you can spawn a portal in. Uh, you spawn portals with your Q and E, you know, regular day uh, WASD. Mm-hmm. Um, 
mouse and keyboard configuration. So your Q and E um, portals are right there. Spawn one, you open up another one. Um, so every player has a portal gun, basically. Yeah, every player has a portal gun. Everyone has. Everyone starts out with the same assault rifle. Mm-hmm. piece of junk that um but it's it's built like a, another arena shooter where you right um where you there's ma- uh weapons around the map so there's a rail mm-hmm. gun on, on the map there's a shoddy on the map so if you like uh, arena shooters you know quake you know you want to go back to the old quake days that's basically me yes um <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're gonna have uh that's what you're gonna get from that um no rocket launcher unfortunately so no rocket mm-hmm. jumps but you do get a jump uh jet pack um the, the it feels very very halo um, yeah how chaotic is it because every player having a portal gun seems like incredibly chaotic to me it can be pretty chaotic so there's a couple of things with the with the portals you can see through um your your portals and your teammates portals but you can't see through the enemy's portals the only indicate and there's one thing that can be indicated which is um the enemy's portals light up or flash a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in if there's somebody on the other side. Okay. So if there's somebody that's watching, trying to shoot through that, that portal, you can kind of tell and uh-huh. you can, um, and you can kind of shoot through and, you know, hopefully get, uh, get some shots in on them. Yeah. Um, so overall, I mean, I, I've, there's not much to the game except, mm-hmm. I mean, the gimmick is it's, in FPS with portals. Yeah. Um, I was okay with it. Uh, I played it a couple different times to, to try to get a feel for it. I absolutely sucked in everything. <laughs> PvP. Apparently um, it's I hard to ex- master. I've heard similar state- statements from like a couple of small streamers that I talk to sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was rough there. I mean, there'd be times where I would go entire games without a kill. I'd be like zero and like 12. Mm-hmm. Um, the time to kill seems to be the big thing for me. Um, the like the weapons and stuff like that, and the the time to kill. Like I just feel like the weapons don't do enough damage because mm-hmm. uh, it kind of has the same problem that Apex Legends has, where it's um, where for me it's like it's Reload Simulator 2019. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I I sounds great. I put I put an entire clip into somebody, and then I have to reload. And by that point in time, they already got like three headshots on me and I'm dead. Um, it, so that was like a big thing for me. Um, I didn't, it was fine. The game mm-hmm. felt fine, played fine. I know it's, I know there's an audience for it. Um, right. I know there's people that are going to enjoy it. It just wasn't something I personally enjoyed. Probably um, going to be one of those games that's great to watch on like a pro level, mm-hmm. but hard to get into on like, your typical gamer mm-hmm. level yeah yeah it's it, it might be one of those situations with where it's like uh, csgo for me where i can watch csgo i enjoy watching csgo every once in a while i can't play csgo i'm not interested <laughs> in playing csgo <laughs> um those so yeah outcast that's for split game <laughs> oh man <laughs> um so like overall i mean it's fine the mm-hmm. the, the portal aspect yeah fine um i'm kind of curious to see how well it's going to do just as a as an arena shooter Mm -hmm. um because arena shooters are just 
they don't last long. Quake Champions struggled. There have been multiple others. There's one arena shooter called Toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, T-O-X-X-I-C, I think, that I played a little bit of way before I even started streaming. Yeah. That, I mean... I waited 20 minutes for a game <laughs> um, that in toxic was free to play too. Um, so arena shooters like that, I don't know how well they, uh, the, how the market really like how much the market really likes them. It doesn't appear like it mm-hmm. likes them that much, but this game did have, I mean, there were some people, um, blue Drake 42, big fry TV uh, and a few others that I saw talking about this game. So mm-hmm. it might have some legs. We'll see. Yeah. The, the thing yeah. with most arena shooters is that they don't have like, a big thing that sets them apart. Most yeah. of them just try to copy Quake. Yeah. And this one at least has like a big gimmick to it that mm-hmm. makes a big difference in gameplay. Yeah. So I feel like we'll get a dedicated fan base. Although that begs also the problem that if you get into it late, everyone else that you're going to have a match with is already going to be a pro and you're mm-hmm. going to have some tough times trying to get good at a game. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get smacked no. in the face quite often. At the very least, I don't think this is going to be a dead game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, try it out. It's free to play. Check it yeah. see if your specs... I mean, let me double check the specs on Steam real quick. For-, for me personally, it actually does sound pretty interesting. I mean, like, when you compare it to Halo, especially when it comes to time to kill, I'm, I'm a big fan of that, as well as uh, actual mm-hmm. weapon drops. I really am not a fan of, like, players having their own customizable loadouts. Because mm-hmm. then things get really stale really fast if people find what's optimal versus yeah. like when it's actually like laid out on the battlefield itself, people have to fight for that one specific objective. Say you have like a shotgun or something like that on mm-hmm. the map, people are going to fight to the death for that shotgun. It's just gonna happen. It's a matter of time. Um yeah. Yeah. that was one of the things I always really liked about Halo was that it wasn't necessarily oh, best loadout wins. But more so, uh, you have to fight around power weapons. That's the big yep. goal. You want control of those things. Um, was there like a capture the flag or anything along those lines? Um, I, there might be, but I didn't get to play it. I, okay. I played very, very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick, system requirements. Uh, 64-bit processor and operating system. Um, that can be Windows 7, 8.1, or 10. Any dual-core CPU, 6 gigs of RAM, NVIDIA, GeForce, GTX, uh, five sixty one gigabyte direct. Uh, your oh, DirectX version needs to be eleven broadband internet connection and fifteen gigs of storage. Yeah, that's not that bad at all. Um, unreasonable. Yeah. When you played it, was there more than just one map? Because from what I've seen, there's only one. From what I've seen personally, um, I don't know. Yes, there. Okay. I have played three maps. There's like your generic battle arena with nice, clean looking lines. There was mm-hmm. like one. Um. <laughs> Not to, and this isn't to be political or anything like that. This is the only way I can describe it because I've been to the Trump Tower. It's uh, basically okay. a Trump Tire uh, Tower gilded gold kind of bullshit. You know, everything is mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> kind of gaudy with you know that that kind of uh, made to look expensive. Look, there was mm-hmm. um, a map that was like just like a bunch of ruins. Yeah. Um, so yeah i mean there's a couple different maps um okay because i personally don't know i i don't know a whole lot about it in terms of mm -hmm. like i'm pretty sure it's in early access still i really doubt at least nowadays it's really hard to find a game that actually releases so yeah i don't know if it's like i don't think it's an alpha i'm pretty sure it's Mm -hmm. just like in beta 
But I'm not I'm not entirely positive. I don't know. It sounds interesting to me for sure. It definitely sounds like something that'd be much more up my alley, especially while I'm waiting for Reach to finally hit PC sometime this month, which seems like it's never going to happen. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't know when, when you compare it like when you said Halo, you got me. And then when you said Halo with portals, you double got me. So so far, mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I'm pretty sure I'm going to suck. But uh, but yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It sounds fun. I am terrible at shooters, but I do like games like Doom, which mm -hmm. also has like a battle mode. Yeah. And uh, I do love Portal, so I would probably check it out on the, that basis, die a mm -hmm. couple of times and then quit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess yeah, another question that I immediately have, because so one of the main like characteristics that are kind of different between uh, most arena shooters is speed. The actual speed of yeah. your character. So, for example, in Doom, you're really fast. Like, you can be really speedy at times. Halo, you're set to, like, a pretty slow set speed. You're meant to, like, navigate through vehicles and such like that anyway. Um, mm. How fast are you as a character? Are you, like... Is it, like, reasonable person speed? Or is it, like, really quick? I want to say a pretty reasonable person okay. speed. Like, you're yeah. not... You're not zipping around the map. Mm -hmm. You're... Um, yeah, pretty. It's pretty average, like almost like Call of Duty speeds. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. The only reason why does, I mentioned that is that like does it quake. have the portal thing of like whatever goes into a portal comes out of the other portal at the same speed? Yes. Like does it? Mm -hmm. okay. Momentum is kept. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which which can make some interesting like you know if you jump through, um, because you have a jump jetpack, so you can you know you can kind of force that momentum to you know yeah you know if you put it on you know like at an angle and then you like go through and then you know pop out the other side you can use it to um gain some momentum um the the portals for me just mostly seem to be more of like a flanking maneuver mm -hmm. like a flanking ability right um someone just asked is, is there running yes there is sprinting mm -hmm. um yeah so you can sprint but yeah the portals to me just seem more like a flanking kind of thing and more of like a quick escape right, right. so you know you get shot from behind you have an escape portal that you can easily access and you and you destroy it on your way out mm -hmm. um or you use it to like you know you go and put the portal somewhere kind of high up maybe at an angle and you you know try to watch it from yeah uh, you know from a different uh area of the map right um so, it sounds it, it sounds extremely safe is like the thing that I'm getting from it, which is a little bit worrisome to me personally. Is it like is there permanent health damage? Like when you take damage, does it stick or does it recharge? It recharges. Okay. <clears throat> that's that's a little bit concerning to me just because mm -hmm. I could very much see a lot of people like using portals for that purpose where they're just holding angles, but there's not yeah. really a whole lot happening. There's probably not a lot of really like hyper aggressive gameplay, I could imagine. Mm -hmm. That's that's the immediate I mean, key thing I'm thinking about. If that gets exploited, I'm I'm feeling like the desk would do something about it. So, yeah, because they I, want uh, to build like an audience and right. Some, but I, that's just something very native. That's just something yeah. very native to it explicitly. That's that's the one thing that I'm kind of thinking about because I can mm -hmm. very much see like yes, somebody goes into a fight. They start losing. They already have like one of their portals set up. They just use their backup portal and then they dip out. I could see that being a thing. I don't know if you necessarily have to have both of them placed and then you have to wait for a certain amount of time for them to activate or if it's just like I have my I have one portal ready. I can go into combat. If things turn bad, I'll use my other portal and get out. So, um you you so with uh you get two sides of the portal. 
Or yeah. you get one portal that has two sides. So you can um you can like set them up. Right. And you can just like leave it waiting. So mm-hmm. you know we'll just say the Q portal. Yeah. You can uh put the Q portal like behind you. And if there's one in front of you and you start getting shot from the front, then you can hit the E and then like dip out and try to flank behind. Yes. Yeah. Or, that, that's yeah, that's essentially what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think, like, especially in high level play, what you're uh, going to see, because the enemy can see the portals that you place as well, he mm-hmm. just can't mm-hmm. through them. So, what I would expect then from high level play is the skill to see when someone's about to place a portal and then just aim at the portal that he is going to come out of instead of aiming at him. But mm-hmm. then that would open up certain flanking maneuvers of like placing a portal but not going through it and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I think that would keep it engaging. You can inst- you can destroy other people's portals. Uh, oh, okay. That's All an right. important information. <laughs> yes, that's a very important note, because I'm just I sitting here like, this sounds really passive. I'm sorry, I thought I said that, and I'm like, I don't think I did say that. That or they didn't hear me say it. So you, that you opens up all kinds of possibilities. You, you spawn with two EMP grenades okay. that can be used to destroy enemy portals. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, in that, in that, <laughs> I've gotten trapped a couple times. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I'm sorry. I felt I'm like it's all good. I was very much like this. Lord. Sounds very like easy to abuse. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds extraordinarily easy to abuse. Oh, I just I'll just place a portal and leave later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus like if I try to place a portal, they're probably just gonna like stop it and then murder me outright. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's definitely a keynote to have though for sure. That makes that yes. sound yes okay that just that helps out a lot that helps out mm-hmm. a lot a lot okay I'll definitely keep yeah. just it, it's present on Twitch on mm-hmm. the I I think if it maintains like even just a intermediate Twitch relevance then it's going mm-hmm. to do fine yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that uh, I'm kind of curious Ryan if you pick it up and like in the next week or so I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on it mm-hmm. um. The other game I played this week, uh, Insurgency Sandstorm put out a new content update. Um, so a couple Q- weeks Q- ago, the surprise. <laughs> What's that? Cue the surprise. He played Insurgency <laughs> Sandstorm. <laughs> right? It's oh, a meme man. now. I mean, I love that fucking game. I fucking <clears throat> love that game. New World Entertainment, hit me up. I will. <laughs> yes, yeah, fun um, this guy. <laughs> I mean, I would just take a free fucking t-shirt. <laughs> if I could get a Sandstorm t-shirt, that'd be fucking beautiful. Um, so, yeah, Insurgency Sandstorm update. A couple weeks ago, we got um, anti-material rifles. So you're uh, like Barrett 50 Cal, mm-hmm. um, you know, big bullet guns. Um, guns that shoot bullets that are this big, <laughs> which are just really fun because, you know, you're you take a shot and you know you're aimed like this and then all of a sudden you're like this <laughs> after shooting um but they put out so this what's uh what was really fun mm-hmm. for this update um is in the arcade mode mm-hmm. um they released two new modes they released a hardcore co-op mode okay. um where movement is slower movement is more realistic um if you die you don't get your loadout right you get stuck with a mosin nagant which is a bolt action mm-hmm. so you you can start out the game with you know whatever assault rifle or submachine gun or shotgun or sniper or whatever that you okay. want with whatever optics um but then if you die then you're stuck with a mosin nagant iron sights 
Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, at a severe disadvantage against the uh, against the enemy, um, which is really fun. It changes. It really changes the dynamic of the game. Um, you you have to think a lot more strategically, and then like picking up enemy weapons becomes way more important in trying in like deciding if you want to pick up an enemy weapon, knowing you're only going to get one uh, clip out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a whole other thing too. Um, It's like, do I risk not having enough ammo to make it to the next position or would I rather have the stopping and firepower to, to try to make, you know? Uh, So that's, that's really fun. Um, The other one which is just incredibly um, ridiculous in many ways. <laughs> Very arcadey um, mm-hmm. for Insurgency Sandstorm uh, is called Frenzy Mode, where all of the AI enemies, um, <laughs> they either use throwables or they're using melee. Mm-hmm. And there is like a bruiser who takes way too many fucking shots to kill <laughs> who can one shot you almost all of them can one shot yeah. you there's one there's uh of course a suicide bombing ai which really fucking sucks because the explosion is fucking huge i wouldn't um, enjoy that mode at all <laughs> <laughs> and then um, <laughs> the other part is like the ones with molotovs are just screaming all the time because they're on fire <laughs> They're just, just fucking shrieks of pain. Just really fucking, you know. That's a cool metal band name. Shrieks of pain. Oh man. Um. (laughs) So, uh, both of those modes have been really fun to play. Um, Mm -hmm. They added a uh, a new map. Well, it's a reissue uh, from the original insurgency called uh, Ministry. Um. Which is very interesting because Ministry was a close to medium range map. Um, there wasn't a lot of sniping opportunities in this game. In Sandstorm, they've really uh, all the maps, all the all the game modes really focus on medium to long range engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see them bring back the Ministry map. Uh, I haven't been able to play it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, my feeling is I'm probably going to end up doing pretty well on that because I was really good in those uh, close range engagements on in the original Insurgency. And usually when I can get into those flanking positions in Sandstorm, I usually do pretty well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't tested it out yet. I haven't had the opportunity. But that's uh, Sandstorm. I, once again excellent job um mm-hmm. the team deathmatch uh servers aren't available anymore which is fine um i would rather them do like this rotating arcade mode uh than just like keep tdm <laughs> yeah yeah from what i saw because i actually watched you play the uh i'm, I'm gonna call it infection because it heavily reminded me of uh halo's infection but then when i thought mm-hmm. about it more because my initial thought when I called it infection was I actually thought you were going against players. I didn't realize you were going mm. against AI. Um, yeah. I'd probably compare it more to just like COD zombies at that point. But um, mm. I don't know. That didn't necessarily appeal to me super much. It looked a little bit at times frustrating, especially when the guys could tank. Because you you shot like two clips into one man and he was not going down. And I was like, this guy needs to die. <laughs> That's um, the stuff. Right yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but that being said, the hardcore mode sounded a lot more interesting for sure. Like that mm-hmm. for me personally, I'm much more interested when I want a co-op experience. I want it to be difficult. I want it to be something that I actually need to at least strategize somewhat with mm-hmm. the person I'm playing with rather than yeah. it just being like in in a sense of uh, Borderlands. It's kind of just like, oh, we're strong. We're just going to like murder everything for mm-hmm. that points in the game that just is what it is um but yeah i i do like the concept of it being difficult and i like the concept of limitations i'm always mm-hmm. a big proponent for having limited like things and then you have you as a player have to expand on it rather than it just giving you all the tools in the rainbow um yeah. but yeah i don't know that sounds super cool that definitely sounds really interesting and i think from what i read somewhere isn't it getting modding support isn't that a thing yes soon um and i'm not sure what all the mods are going to allow Mm-hmm. Uh, because the mods in the original Insurgency, there was a couple game mods. Um, mm-hmm. they actually even made uh the second game that NWI made uh called Day of Infamy, uh, where guys like me beat up guys like Fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Tell me more about this. Oh man. Uh, so the Day of Infamy uh, started out as a mod in the original Insurgency. Mm-hmm. Um. They made a couple other like game mode mods, like a Wild West one, because you had a shotgun and you had, you know, you had uh, bolt action and a revolver. So those are the three weapons you got. And they get that version. Um, there's a few other, uh, but a lot of them was, were cosmetics. Right. Um, and the problem ended up being, and I am 100% guilty of this, was that I got, there's a pistol in the game. There's a mod that uh, gave a pistol a red dot. <laughs> so you didn't have to spend the points. Well, mm-hmm. on the pistol, it was fine because there was no there right. was no red dot anyways on the pistol. But with some of these weapon mods, then mm-hmm. you didn't have to spend the points to get an aiming reticle. Right. Which was the whole point of the point system. <laughs> um, I put it on a pistol because I'm like, who the fuck cares about it being on a pistol? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing was that I put I, I put it on there and I played James Bond a lot. I fucking... <laughs> Especially in night maps, I would run around with a silencer on that pistol, nothing else. Oh, <laughs> and I man. would usually do really well. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how that modding is going to work because mm-hmm. to spend to not have to spend the points on uh aiming reticle of some sort yeah. would be a huge advantage for anyone right. who plays Breacher or anyone that plays Rifleman. Mm-hmm. So um I yeah, hope they put a pink Darth Vader on there just to stick it to your ASM more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's I'm kind of curious to see what kind of support they're going to actually give. Mm-hmm. Yeah, modding support is always huge when it gets announced. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's one of the best things that can be announced for a lot of titles just because yeah. so many games are just blatantly enhanced by it. Like communities, mm-hmm. devs have their own idea for a game, but communities can have a vastly different idea for the game entirely there has been like people are all like this is a first person like world war ii shooter and they're like this is a space game thank you we're gonna go fight aliens you're wrong mr devs and it's like okay entire mobile genre just exists because of mod support Mm -hmm. exactly yeah let that thing sink in yeah Yeah, because it started as a big deal warcraft 2 mod right Mm -hmm. or uh, three i think yeah i think the dota was warcraft 3 yes yeah, Pretty and and even when you think about in the terms of like game creation, Dota in itself 
has had so many actual games created inside of Dota that aren't even remotely close to Dota like in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Auto Chess is one of them. There was another one that was like a... Uh, Oh my goodness! I want to call it. It was kind of like Age of Empires, I believe. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot of oh. different things that are just made in those environments that you never really think about. Like they're never really considered. So based on how well they do the modding support in that, I could see that being a huge plus. I always am a big yeah. proponent of it. I can't play Skyrim at this point without mods. That's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. I don't know. I, I always find that to be a huge incentive. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it keeps life expectancy for a game up drastically. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, they had mod support in the original Insurgency. The original mm-hmm. Insurgency was a mod. It yeah. It was a Half-Life mod. Uh, um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see kind of what they allow and what they don't allow. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, a lot of it before was cosmetics, uh, you know, make the make both teams easier to see kind of thing. Or, right um more updated cool looking models Mm -hmm. there's a few of them that i remember seeing in the original one um so yeah that's insurgency sandstorm anything else on either of those things guys i think i'm good cool uh fan yes you were you were very helpful last week and you watched a lot of e3 and you're doing a lot of e3 stuff for yourself and that kind of led you into a problem why don't you explain Exactly. So I streamed the entirety of E3, like all of the conferences at least, even the shittier ones that no one else watched. <laughs> so that created a lot of words that I had to download mm-hmm. because I needed to cut them up to have like one word for each conference. Right. Which led to some pretty big files just filling up my entire hard drive and <laughs> rendering those out, like cutting a piece of it out and rendering it out as a separate thing so that I can mm-hmm. then cut it up and... Uh, cut out like unnecessary pauses and parts yeah. where someone went to go, go to the toilet and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. rendering that again took yeah. a bit more time than I expected especially <laughs> when one of the things that I have to cut up is a 7 hour bot so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah that kind of took out my entire bandwidth I couldn't like <laughs> play anything on my PC I couldn't stream uh, so oh, what I man. instead then did for gaming was break out this boy here In case you're listening to this podcast, for instance, on Spotify, um, (laughs) this is my 2DS. So I, back when I went to uh, high school in Mönchengladbach, there was a GameStop right on the way to the school. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like the student that I was, after a particularly hard day of school or just after any school day, really, I could just literally make, make a turn into the shop and buy a used game or something. Bring it home, make sure it works, and then never play it again. <laughs> <laughs> so moments like these are really where I break some of those games out and see if they're really uh, good. And just in the theme of this podcast, these mm-hmm. games, even when I bought them back in the day, were like some months old. So at this point, mm-hmm. they are years old. You can get them for real <laughs> cheap. So I bought, uh, played four of them, and I'm just kind of uh, give a little thought gallery, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, then none of them will be particularly in depth, but you know, enough for my thoughts after a couple of hours. First one is this one Etrian Odyssey Mystery Dungeon, which is a crossover between the Etrian Odyssey RPG series and the Mystery Dungeon games. The latter of which is 
basically unknown, but everyone has still played them because of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, mm-hmm. which is a crossover between Mystery Dungeon and Pokemon, obviously. So this combines the character classes and the difficulty of Etrian Odyssey, which, in case you don't know, is real in-depth. Like, you get all kinds of classes that you can name and customize however you want. However, the game is hard as balls, and you even have to do the map of the dungeons yourself. Oh, wow. So it's real in-depth. If you mm-hmm. love RPGs, you're going to love those games. I wouldn't recommend playing the first three of those, but the first two have already been remade with a, like a full-on story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would recommend playing those instead. And this is the crossover. It combines the gameplay style of the Mystery Dungeon games, as in you walk around on the randomly created dungeons, every move is a turn, and then your party members are just attacking and using their skills based on you know what they can do, the placement and the and the line and whatever, like you know from the Mystery Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games. Mm-hmm. And all and it combines that with the character classes and the difficulty of entering Odyssey. And it starts out very linear, like you're in a town, you get like all these tutorials all dumped on you at once. You have like a very limited a selection of classes to begin, then you're going into the first dungeon. Mm-hmm. You're playing that. Thankfully, in this game, you don't have to do the map yourself. And um, yeah, you're going through this, and then afterwards, the game immediately opens up. You you unlock all the other character classes. You can build a team however you want, and from then, the game doesn't teach you anything at all. It does have a story. I didn't get too far into it because mm-hmm. it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the same dungeon system as Mystery Dungeon, so it it has like a certain number of floors. On the bottom of each floor is a big like boss character that you can actually see on the map and avoid if you want because it's Mm -hmm. a really tough fight that at the beginning of the game you will not be able to win but those bosses slowly make their way up the dungeon and if they escape the dungeon they will attack the town so not only do you need to go uh, through the dungeons with your adventurers you need to also either defeat the bosses before they reach the town or actually defend the town for which you have to build, like, fortresses and everything. Mm, okay. I didn't get too far into it to actually experience one of those uh, city-defending battles, but mm-hmm. uh, this mechanic in and on itself makes it so that you constantly have to worry about two things. So it's really difficult. If you yeah. want to experience the most difficult mystery dungeon game you've ever played, I recommend this one. Mm-hmm. It's like... Yeah, it's real intense. If you love RPGs, you're going to lose yourself in it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, RPG related but uh, completely different genre is this one. This is the Final Fantasy uh, rhythm game. Theaterism, <laughs> Final Fantasy code call. The art style, you know, I can take or leave it. It's, it's mm-hmm. a bit cute, but um, it looks cheap. Basically, I went into it because I own it, and they uh, in the Ubisoft conference, not Ubisoft, uh, Square Enix, in the Square mm-hmm. Enix conference, they announced that they're going to put all those Final Fantasy music on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. So I took that because I'm better in, in rhythm games when I know the songs and have heard them be a lot of times. Right. So I did that and then went into this game and yeah, it helped a lot. Uh, it, it had literally all the music from all of the games that came out before this game came out. So up to 13.2, I think, or 14. Oh, wow. And it has like basically three main modes. It has, like, battle mode, which is you're playing your rhythm game, the notes come from the side, and you have to, 
you to use the stylus to hit the notes or slide them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are like boss characters and enemies and stuff that take damage the better you hit the notes. And the more enemies you kill, the more stuff you get, more points, unlocks. There's a ton of stuff in this game. There's even an adventure mode, which is weirdly engaging. Mm-hmm. A ton of unlocks to get you. There are trading cards that you can collect. Um, second main gameplay mode is like travel, which basically is just uh, the calm songs of the uh, of the games, and it's pretty much all sliding notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very calm, and when you do well, you get chocobos. <laughs> There's even items in this game that I totally forgot to mention that have different items. The characters have abilities. It's really in-depth for a rhythm game. Mm-hmm. And then there are like the big cinematics, which each of the game gets only one of. Okay. And they are like this big cinematic things where the cursor is all over the place and you get disorientated, really. Those are really hard to play. Mm-hmm. But they have like these gorgeous cinematics playing behind them. And they are really a treat to watch. It's like co- a complete clash with the rest of the art style. But, you know, <laughs> if you love rhythm games or Final Fantasy, this is a must play, I would say. It's really okay. good. You get a lot of hours in this. I had like 10 hours in this over the last couple of days. That tells you wow. how much I played that one. Then there's this one. I think this is the most well-known one. Project Cross Zone. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is like this really over-the-top crossover game from Capcom and like uh, Sega and Bandai. And yeah, I think those are the three main ones. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird combat thing where you have like a map with all your enemies, uh, Fire Emblem style, and then you... Uh, your characters have certain movement. That's always two characters grouped together. You okay. move one on the map, but it's always two characters, and it doesn't change which ones there are. It's just like the same two are always together, and they can have different assist characters. Basically, when you engage in combat, then it opens up into like a battle thing, and then you ha- have to make combos. Everyone, every character only has like a certain amount of moves that they can make, and mm-hmm. you have to chain them together in a way that it juggles the enemy in the air as long as possible because if they reach the ground then the fight is over and they take as much damage as you, as you did so ideally you want to juggle them as as long as until they are dead which is an interesting thing mm. the story i don't know yet i'm three <laughs> hours into the game and so far all the story was is oh you're this guy from this game oh aren't you this guy from that game <laughs> then balance that's like the first three hours the oh, prologue God. is like an hour teaches you all the mechanics and that's already like hey you are the guy from that game and then oh, the villains show up and like oh my god it's that villain from that game <laughs> and it, that's literally all the dialogue has been it's as hours. if smash was it's as if smash was just really on the nose <laughs> yeah, it's way more on the nose than smash ever was it's aren't you thing. little back from punch out oh my god <laughs> It's insane, and for some reason they have Frank West in this game as well. He has like uh-huh. a move where just zombies appear <laughs> from the other right. side. It's, it's ridiculous. There are super moves in this. The gameplay is engaging, I would say. I cannot mm-hmm. make any comments on the story at all. It's mm-hmm. way too convoluted, and there are so many characters from so many games in this that no one had any point or part to shine, really. <laughs> okay. And then I might have lied when I said it was the most well-known one because the last one is this one. 
What's a Pokemon? The one I did not buy at Game Store. I owned it for like forever. I played one hour of it, and then I just, mm-hmm. I I had it. Uh, I jumped back into this. I played now up to the seventh gym, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, I like this more than I remember it. Like, uh, I really dig the animations. I don't think the Pokemon designs are as bad as people make them out to be. Like, mm-hmm. of course, the ice cream Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. that That's in this game. And there are, there are a bunch of them where I'm like... Mm, Dude, I'm everybody sure loves ice cream, chandeliers, and garbage. Best yeah. characters. But there are also some really cool Pokemon designs. And honestly, like, Chandelure also one of those and agenda law is pretty pretty all right story also weirdly engaging there is this one character called n mm-hmm. who got a bit on my nerves but he's also really interesting mm-hmm. in the fact that all the pokemon that he trains are ones that help him of their own will he doesn't capture any of them so mm-hmm. every time you battle him he just has pokemons of the region that are just helping him because they like him there's one part where whenever you lose a fight with him he makes you go on a ferris wheel with him it's, that part stood out to me. It was like, God damn it, you needy pawns. <laughs> oh, I, man. By the way, just real quick, because I just want to throw some shade. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who might have felt bad about, you know, Ren saying that Chandelure was a garbage Pokemon, just remember his favorite Pokemon is Sandshrew, and he can, you know. Listen, one is literally a chandelier. It lives in a house. Come on. Yeah, it- it evolves from a cute emo candle. What's your problem? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever it is. <laughs> Getting sassed on because I believe in an actual Pokemon and also, not a chandelier. Like, a city in this game that's just absurdly big. And I yeah. was incredibly impressed with that one. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the bridge leading up to it, which has this amazing camera perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you are in the city, and it's so big that actually navigating it takes a lot of time to get to know where everything is there are a lot of like side it's insanely big and it's it was really impressive so that actually got me sold on the overall art style as well Mm -hmm. so i would say this is actually good (laughs) i was not as sold on it back in the day when it came out but Uh uh, i honestly came around to it i'm gonna finish this one awesome that's all the games that i got around to because obviously i only had so many days Still mm. mad that I'm getting salted on for like insane true. <laughs> Tilted. Whatever, dude. Oh man. Well, don't like garbage Pokemon and that won't happen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my god. Um, uh, so I kind of like an impromptu topic. Uh-huh. But um so you said you got those at GameStop, right? Yes. And Most of them, aside from uh, Pokemon. Yeah. So we haven't really talked about this yet, but GameStop isn't actually doing well as a company. Uh, stocks mm. are down. Profits are down for them. They're pretty um, shit company, so I'm not like, surprised <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of like being a place for used games, yeah, I mean, that's pretty primo. I mean, you can get... yeah, yeah It's, it's basically almost the only place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. Unless in terms of actual retail. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Do you guys think there's going to be any sort of obviously physical media sales are are mm-hmm. going down just yeah. for convenience sake? But do you guys think there's going to be any sort of um, any sort of comp- uh, competitor to fill in that spot if GameStop does go down all the way? To I be honest, 
oh, I don't think it's going to be one on the same scope, at yeah. least mm -hmm. initially. I can see like uh, someone being nerd enough to have like a passion project that turns mm -hmm. out to be something like this in the future. But mm -hmm. I don't think there's going to be a chain that's going to look at GameStop and say, you know what, we're going to do this. Because yeah. it doesn't seem like a good business model yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a time where everyone can just go on eBay and get used stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, so, I Amazon. completely agree, personally. I mean, the way I think of it is, uh, like, if anything's going to take the rollover, it's most likely just going to be local, like, small shops. Like, local shops. shops. That's the only yeah. thing I could imagine. Because I have to agree. I mean, there's been competitors with GameStop before. What was it? EB Games. The other mm -hmm. ones that I can't even recall. They went out like almost instantly. Like they were up for maybe like not even a year. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't imagine people wanting to like try to be competitive with GameStop. I feel like it's been failing for a while. At least that was my mm -hmm. understanding of it. It's been failing to my understanding for at least a few years. I realistically only yeah. go there just for used games and maybe yeah. consoles if I don't want to like go buy one online, which is fair mm -hmm. because shipping tends to break things and I don't want my console broken like on shipping. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I always consider that one like a fair thing. But when it comes to mm -hmm. things like new games or anything along those lines, I don't really care. Like, I usually will just buy it either digitally or I'll buy it through like a shipping vendor, something like that. I don't know. I'm, I've never really cared too much for GameStop personally. Mm -hmm. It's always yeah. felt really skeezy. The only time when I ever give it respect is exclusively just old games, old used mm -hmm. titles. That's yeah. it. That's been the only purpose I've ever gone to uh, GameStop yeah. for, too, is used games. Yeah. Um, so this is the last thing that the last game that I bought physically. Ooh. This is two years now since I bought this mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was seven euros. So uh, because it's an old game, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, and I didn't even buy this at GameStop. I bought this just at Saturn, which is a big electronic chain in Germany. I don't mm -hmm. know if it exists in other places. Uh, yeah. So I don't need GameStop anymore. I can pick up older games on the cheap just because the stores didn't sell them. Yeah. So what? Um, I don't see a need for this, even if you were to argue that the shopping experience of going through an aisle mm -hmm. and just browsing through, even <laughs> if you were to argue that, you can have that at pretty much every electronic chain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing that I could really say that probably would, well... It's what I would want GameStop to do. I can't exactly imagine it being productive in terms of revenue. Um, mm -hmm. Go back to it like its old state where it was. Yeah, it was like a gaming shop, obviously, but they did have specialty items on stock. Like there, they did have older consoles that you could just buy there. That was a yeah. thing that nowadays that's not a thing really at all. You could buy like figures, whatever pop figurines, mm -hmm. whatever the fuck like that Funk but in terms of Amiibo. yeah exactly but in terms of like say i where i live getting retro games is almost impossible like that's mm -hmm. very unlikely for me to get unless i'm exclusively buying them online so if they went back towards their roots in terms of that because they used to do that for a while they used to like do retro gaming stuff and along those lines and i always found that to be really interesting that could I could see that bringing people back for sure. I can't imagine it being like the most profitable venture, but I could imagine it being something a lot of people would be interested in. I know I'd love mm -hmm. to buy like a refurbished NES 
at like one of these places for sure. I wouldn't you know have any issue with I that. agree. I, I agree completely. If they would specialize in like mm-hmm. a certain area, that would grant them like a, a small but yeah. very loyal customer base. Yeah, exactly. And realistically, that'd probably be what I'd go to like a mom and pop gaming shop for anyway, is just for that old retro like experience more so than anything. I don't need like the top tier market shelf garbage. Like, I don't care. I, that doesn't matter to me. Accessories are cool, I guess. But like for the most part, it's all a whole bunch of crap that nobody cares about. I, that's always what I see. Like if I go there, it's either for used games Maybe, maybe like those Xbox Live like month cards, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Maybe. But nowadays that's not even a thing. But those are the two things really. Consoles, if I have to like if I need a console, I'll go there. But I don't know. I, I just heavily appreciate it if they went towards more retro style things, for sure. Yeah. Well, cause I mean there's been a there's a chain in my area called Video Games Etc. that sells mm-hmm. almost exclusively retro stuff like they have yeah. like some like new stuff newer stuff mm-hmm. um but it's all you know pretty retro and then they sell those um uh all in one retro consoles that you know it's like, yeah yeah you got the... a slot for snes you got a slot <laughs> for sega and you got you know mm-hmm. one for atari and then yeah it takes all these different inputs for all these you know different controllers yeah um so yeah that's been that was just like a thought i i I meant to talk about it a couple weeks ago or bring it up mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, yeah. but we just didn't have the chance. Uh, yeah. Especially no, with the E3 coming up. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, I don't know. That's that's immediately what I think of, though. Because, I mean, even now, you can barely find an Xbox or an Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. I tried to find a 360 just there. I, yeah. I couldn't find one. I had to, like, order it, and then they had to send it there, and then I had to grab it. And that's mm-hmm. not even, I don't even consider that retro, really. Technically, yes, it's pretty old, but I mean, yeah. when I think of retro, I'm thinking of SNES, NES. I don't want the, like, refurbished version. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, We lost Fan. <laughs> fan, not like this, dude. Well, I guess we're going to scuff like this for a little bit until he, uh, <laughs> he gets back. But uh, anyways, what I was trying to say is... Um, I don't know. That, that would be the main thing that I'd be interested in mm-hmm. for, like, in terms of that. Um... Everything else I really don't care about. If I really wanted new things, I probably wouldn't even go to GameStop for him. I'd probably go to an actual retailer. I'd even consider going yeah. to Walmart for a console. Like, it's not... What What are they going to do that's really going to be that much better than GameStop, really? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just going to be like, oh, it's a console. It's a console. They're the same price, whatever. But yeah. that's... Yeah. I don't know. That, that, by far, is my big thing on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well... It's <laughs> <damn, laughs> broken. Have... Fan is broken. Um, I don't know what happened to him. Because the next thing we were gonna, we were going to talk about was uh, E3 leftovers. Anything that, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, and then the value of E3. But I think me and you can have a discussion on the value of E3 until Fan gets back in. Yeah, no, um, for sure. So, kind of controversial. Controversially, mm-hmm. um, Sony wasn't at E3 this year. They said they don't need E3. There's been yeah. a lot of discussion about the value of E3. Um, in the gaming space, is it really? First off, E3 is definitely not what it um, used to be. Yeah, used to be. It used yeah. to be a conference 
for stockholders and retailers mm -hmm. uh, where people could show off their tech. You know, they have booths for different accessories and memory cards or, you know, hard drives and right. whatever else. Yeah. Um, and then they would show off the games. This is the, all the games that we're bringing out. This is the merchandise for the games. Walmart, GameStop, are you interested in this? Mm -hmm. um, that's what E3 was supposed to be. And yeah. um, now it's just a big marketing event where people can show off uh, cinematic trailers in hopes that it's going to bolster their mm -hmm. um, stocks. Yeah, that the hype, the hype itself and the amount of pre-order and stuff like that is going to get people, ex you know, shoot up stocks and, and drive profits mm -hmm. um so the the question is is do we really need that anymore when there are just you know there's pax east mm -hmm. pax west there's GamesCon. um do we need that and then i mean the hype train can get fueled by itself online um and a lot of these companies like google and sony are taking are doing their own keynote events mm -hmm. yeah so I have um, like I have very mixed opinions on this because mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it really matters. Like I really, for the most part, mm -hmm. not really. I, you're completely right when you uh, said like it's just a marketing event. It's entirely to build hype. But I mean, I can't argue that that's a bad thing, really. I mean, in terms. So I understand. I understand why PlayStation went away from E3. Totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. From my like opinion, I consider things like Nintendo Direct. Well, that even made it to E3. But in general, those are really solid things. I really like appreciate them. They're very well. Mm -hmm. They're they're well produced. They're actually produced content rather than listening to Dinkles up on stage just talk about like random nonsense that most people don't talk. Howard, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't want to listen to somebody that I'm currently loathing right now try to like sell me on how something's fixed when it clearly isn't. I am not a big fan of that. But when it comes to something like the Nintendo Direct, it's very, very well executed. I can't argue that it's very well directed. And it shows everything I care about. It's it. There's no like random garbage that's just thrown in that doesn't really matter. Um, even when it is, it's usually like fairly short. It's it's just well produced overall. I I can't really argue with that. That being said, that kind of content could still be at E3. I mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea. I do consider. Granted, E3 before you're right. It didn't used to be this marketing thing. At this point, it is. And also, I kind of don't really have a problem with that, per se. I, I mm -hmm. think that that kind of just makes sense. Like, having a yearly event that a bunch of gamers can just watch and either be excited or loathe or whatever, versus just having individual things that are just released on their own time. I, I much rather prefer the E3 experience. I can't, like, hang out with my friends I mean, I guess I could. I could hang out with my friends and just watch just the PlayStation Direct and then just the other thing. And somebody even put it like the Super Bowl. Yeah, honestly, in terms of gaming, I consider it in the same realm of like the Super Bowl where it's like mm -hmm. I might not care about everything that shows up on that. I might hate half of it, but it's something I can watch with a community. We can all have a talk over it. It's something like that. Mm -hmm. It builds hype. I don't really see a problem with that in general. I mean, obviously for them, there's no problem with it. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I think that is a good thing, but I also agree that it's just cinematic garbage. I don't really have a big problem with that in itself. It's just, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's very all, all over the place. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's really I don't know. What what do you think about it? I guess that's the like big question. I mean, my whole thing is I it it feels no different. I mean, it's just a collective mm-hmm. Apple keynote, right? It's, yes. Every year Apple mm-hmm. and Microsoft and whoever else they put their own you know, they do their own keynote with all sorts of hype and stuff like behind it. Um, and those functionally serve the same purpose. Yeah. Um, so for me, I don't really see like the how the content has changed to mm-hmm. really or the way that the the the, the expo has changed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've never been to E3. Right. I just know from what, you know, journos have said in the right. past what it was like. Um. Yeah, E3 used to be much less consumer focused. It was much more like, look at these amazing like inv- like we we did something here. Not so much, yeah. hey, let's show off a game. That's everybody loves video games. Let's show off like five games and mm-hmm. four of them are trash. It, it yeah. didn't used to be that, but um, I don't know. I I don't really have a big problem with it personally. I, I don't know. I really don't either. I do think. I do think the value of E3 is just kind of mm-hmm. diminishing for yeah. for other reasons because you know we have these massive multi million dollar billion dollar corporations who some of them you know like Google Google yeah. is just now entering the gaming space Apple's just now entering the gaming space they don't need to be a part of something like this mm-hmm. they already have their own keynotes that journos and investors and retailers all show up to and they all report and talk about it at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, and all these gaming companies are starting to get their own conventions, BlizzCon, QuakeCon, mm-hmm. um, where they can announce and do all these other things. I think the, um, I think the value of E3 is just diminishing because the companies are realizing they can do this on their own. And yeah. this is just like another uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't have any real feelings like negative feelings or positive feelings towards E3 itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only feeling I have really is it just kind of stinks that they drop so much news on people like us right? Uh, at the same time every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be kind of nice if, ever, if like Ubisoft and, bethesda and ea just all kind of like spread out their keynotes yeah (laughs) over like a three-month period that'd be kind of (laughs) nice um oh man it's not uh, yeah i mean i I, go ahead so that's that's my biggest problem that's both my biggest like pro as well as my biggest con is it's everything it talks about everything that people have been working on this year i think that's great like i really like knowing what's happening in the entire gaming space as a whole at one Mm. point. But I could also, I agree, like, in terms of content creation, especially when it comes to things like gaming news, it's very, like, here's how it goes, essentially. Two weeks of dead time. Nothing's happening at all. E3 hits. Nonstop. That's all you're doing. Next week, nothing. It's gone. (laughs) Everything is gone. It's over. Um... Mm -hmm. In terms of creation, like content creation like that, I, I agree. Um, I wouldn't really have a problem if they spaced it out. As long as there was like a specific time frame where everybody could agree, this is our goal. Like we are going to display mm. everything. If they even did it in like, if that was the case, then they all did it in like the form of like Nintendo Direct, PlayStation Direct, Xbox Direct. I'd be totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. 
having a crowd doesn't really do a whole lot for me, especially like when we talk about Bethesda's when it was just so heavily like everybody's happy for garbage. I it's frustrating <laughs> to me. It's super frustrating just to like see how like absolutely fake it is. Um so I I have an issue with that in its own right. Um but like in the same sense like for E3 things, you wouldn't have those like things like Keanu Reeves showing up on stage. That wouldn't really be a thing if that's going to be like what you're doing. Um I don't know. There there's a lot of like authentic things that I really like about E3. Mm-hmm. But there's just as much mainstream garbage. Like it, yeah. easily. Easily. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have a big issue if there was a lot more like direct things, direct oriented things. And if E3, instead of being one event, it was just like a series of events that mm-hmm. were just happening throughout a period. That'd be nice. I don't really have an issue with that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it definitely for me personally, E3 is a thing I watch either with friends or just to like mm-hmm. find out and then talk about with friends that that's usually like just what it is. It's never so much like I need to know what the top end hardware is coming. Even when we talked about like the Xbox, like new thing, I mm-hmm. could care less. Like that was the thing I cared about the least in the entire Microsoft conference <laughs> was new hardware. It was like, okay, whatever. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm very, I understand both sides of like, mm-hmm. yes, E3 doesn't really matter. Agreed. Yeah. But I still want to have that experience of watching like with an entire mm-hmm. group of people like, hey, did you did you see the shit Bethesda tried to pull? <laughs> did you guys see that? What? Oh, man. That. I think, yeah. I was just saying, I think that's a feeling I can get behind you with. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I think I'm just going to adopt your position. Yeah. I, I think it's a great position. I'm just saying, otherwise I wouldn't be in it. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I, I like it for what it is, but I also understand how frustrating it can be and like how meaningless it can seem to people. I I don't think it's necessarily meaningless. I, I even when I think about it in terms of like what would probably be a better idea. E3, everything is getting shown off. Everybody's comparing things to other things. That's just what it is, even if they're not even necessarily related. So, like, for example, Xbox releases a console. PS4 doesn't show up. Where's their console? I'm not thinking it. I could care less, but I'm sure other people are like, they're not. What is there an issue with their consoles? What's going on? That's positive press for Xbox. I can't really argue that. Um, Bethesda gets rid of Starfield on the list as well as ES6. The fuck is going on there? What mm-hmm. what does that have to do with anything? Um but yeah, I don't know. I think it does serve a purpose. I for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just probably not to the degree that people used to care about. I think it still has a meaning. But uh mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I I get it. I get both sides. I think that E3, while it's probably not the most I'll concede it probably isn't the most revenue-growing venture. It's usually yeah. not. If anything, it tends to make me upset about things more than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bethesda, I know I've been shitting on it all night. But <laughs> but I, I still think it's a good thing to have. Even, mm-hmm. even if it is very marketing-heavy, you can still make out if a company is doing well. You can still figure mm-hmm. out what's happening behind the scenes to a degree. Like, yeah. 
I, I keep mentioning Bethesda, but that that one's like the golden fucking ticket in terms of everything I'm talking mm. about right now. Other Both places are. Yeah, well, they're announcing like everything. Microsoft is announcing mm. new consoles, new games, brand new like titles for new games, Xbox Game Pass for PC. These are all like fairly innovative things. And then Bethesda comes out with saying, I'm not announcing our two mainline games that we have been working on for years. Mm-hmm. We're just not we're not showing them off at E3. It doesn't matter to us. OK, that immediately tells me your business is horrible. Like that immediately gives me an idea of what's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, things aren't going right with Microsoft. Things are going fine. I might be more interested in Microsoft products. I am heavily not interested in Bethesda products right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think it does serve a purpose. It's just not dearly to the weird degree mm-hmm. where it used to be. Yeah. So that's that. I mean, I don't have anything else to add. You have anything else? <laughs> not particularly. No. No, okay. not, not anything uh, in terms of that. With Fangon, I think mm-hmm. we can just wrap up here. Okay. Um, hopefully nothing catastrophic happened to Fan. Um, mm-hmm. But I do have some announcements I want to get out of the way uh, before the show ends. Yeah. Um, we are coming up on a one-year anniversary for the show here. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, uh, we're going to be doing a couple things. But I feel comfortable announcing the first thing. Uh, which is we're going to do a limited run of merch, specifically Mm -hmm. mugs. Uh, So if you guys are in the chat right now, I just posted a link. You can go to the merch tab of that uh, Streamlabs website Mm -hmm. um, and find some limited edition runs, uh, limited edition run of some mugs. Those mugs will be available until the end of July next month. Uh, It is currently the 18th for anyone listening. Um, And we'll be announcing that uh, every show and i'll be doing that on twitter um mm-hmm. so yeah we have a limited edition run of some mugs there's also some stickers um that are going to be available to people to celebrate one year um we're also going to be doing a special episode me and Ren mm-hmm. have been discussing uh the special episode um if he wants to announce it he can i don't is, is it the thing that i want to do is that mm-hmm. it Oh, Pog, yeah, hell yeah, I'll announce it. Okay, so we're going to have a streaming podcast talk at some point. I don't necessarily know when, but I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. It's always something I really want to talk about, and I never Mm -hmm. really get the opportunity to, even when it comes to things like Streamlabs, what we're talking about right now, in terms of, like, mugs, they've actually... Well, they announced the new mugs uh, earlier in the past, but they do have uh, color-changing mugs. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. They announce a whole bunch of new merch, new hats, beanies um as well as like just some other stuff i don't know it they've done a great job in terms of that front are they expensive i'll probably get into that at some point but i mean (laughs) it exists that's a plus Mm -hmm. i don't know it's always something i'm super excited to talk about so i'm stoked Mm -hmm. for it that yeah uh so the price of the mugs real quick they're twelve dollars they're as cheap cheap as we could get them yeah. while still making a little bit of money hopefully <laughs> we as a podcast have helped you guys save money <laughs> enough money <laughs> to buy a to mug be, to buy a mug <laughs> um so that is yeah so we're gonna be doing a streaming episode like an actual like how to stream how to stream without like killing your self um <laughs> you know some of the tools you can get uh to help you with all that um yep. some marketing tips mm-hmm. from uh, from us and i can uh, talk stuff. about anything under the moon i am good to go for literally anything so uh yeah <laughs> so 
that's going to be the next to nothing one year special episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have the actual date for that here soon. Um, let's see. And then we'll probably do some sort of contest. I'm not quite sure. I haven't decided yet what we'll do for a contest. Um, but we will have some sort of contest as well to uh, mark one year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, we we uh, I, we're still a couple weeks out from the one year. I believe the first episode uh, that we did was July uh, 10th, 2018, mm-hmm. uh, which would probably put our one year episode at July 9th, 2019. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> someone just came in, saved money. <laughs> I lost money by buying Fallout 76 for all my friends after Ren spoke with such admiration and love for it. I hate that game. You're lying. <laughs> Do not be smirch his fine name. Um, so with that, guys, I think we can call this good um, yeah. because fan is not here. Hopefully he didn't die. Um Guys, go follow him on his Twitch channel. The link will be down below in the description of the episode if you're watching the VOD or uh, listening on Spotify. If you're in the chat right now, you can see it right there. Also, go follow him at Twitter. It's the same handle. So, was why I, I'm fan. Nailed uh, it. Nailed it. I, <laughs> my high school didn't even offer uh, German, so I have no idea how it's how any of it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, so, go check him out on those places. Seriously, uh, hopefully he's okay i don't know hopefully his internet just shout mm-hmm. out for whatever reason yeah. um ren what's coming up on your channel well for those who don't know i spent basically all of yesterday hardcore reorganizing cords all that jazz i spent so long doing it i lost my mind but i got a whole bunch of new stuff i got like my consoles all connected to one like hdmi splitter super cool so i can actually like swap consoles in like two seconds um i got my vr location itself set up so i actually have room to do things versus doing it at my desk and running into everything. Um, and I also got a like portable, like a uh, microphone, a lapel mic as well. So Ooh. super cool on that front. Um, I won't have the VR stuff super ready until probably Thursday. Um, but I'm stoked about that. Hopefully reach gets announced on PC finally, but I don't know when that's ever going to happen. <laughs> um, and what else is happening? What else is going on? We finished doom. I don't know. I'm not entirely certain. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh yeah, I don't know. I've been digging up with like just all the things though. But uh yeah. yeah. Yep. That that's me. Yeah, you can find me at that one. At <laughs> that place. <laughs> you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash renditions two Z's cause I'm dumb and can't spell. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um coming up on my channel, I just beat Pokemon Crystal Clear. Oh um so I'm not sure what we'll be doing if we're going to be doing another game here soon or not. Mm-hmm. Um, probably going to be playing a lot of Insurgency and maybe some Siege here over the next couple of days okay. uh, or a couple of weeks just to, you know, go back to some usual programming. Um, other than that, there's not a whole hell of a lot. Like I said, we have this one year anniversary coming up, so I'll probably be spending a lot of time uh, making promo materials and stuff like that. And maybe I'll do some of that on stream um, because people do seem to enjoy me doing creative streams. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, guys, you can follow the podcast on Spotify. You can f- subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Swoot, TuneIn, iHeart, I believe, as well. Um, 
we're on a lot of uh, places. And if we're not on your favorite podcast platform, uh, let us know and we can get ourselves on there. We would appreciate you guys uh, if you really did share the show with your friends. Let your friends know about the show. Uh, give us ratings on your favorite podcast platform, uh, so on and so forth. You can also follow us on Twitter at NTN pod uh if you want to keep up with us there and interact with us there you can also follow this channel twitch.tv slash danny k uh to watch us live every tuesday 7 p.m is central standard time aka chicago time um and uh yeah we appreciate your faces and we love you guys is there anything else ren nope you basically nailed it all yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) right um yes so we can call it good here and uh we love you guys yeah, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for being awesome. Toodaloo, hustle, hustle, bye.